I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hey everyone. Welcome to Let's Get Civical. This is the podcast that breaks down politics, government structure, and dives into the context of current events, but in a super fun way. I'm Lizzie Stewart, comedian, feminist, and political junkie. And I'm Arden Wallentowski, former Senate intern, campaign staffer, and political strategist. In this episode, we're talking about presidential transportation. So grab your amphibious passenger vehicle. And let's get civical. Why are you talking like they're four? Hey. Hey. Hey, it's okay. Hey. Like as though they've just woken up from their nap. Hey. Oh. Don't did we sleep good? <laughs> do we have a good rest? Yeah. Are you in a better yeah. mood? Yeah. Oh. 
This does feel like a perpetual night, doesn't it? It really does. It's the night to end all nights. It is the night to end all nights. It's, you know, day 50-something. <laughs> and I'm feeling alive. Alive. How many puzzles have you completed? So I only did the one puzzle, why it was emotionally traumatizing. But also, I thought, I was like, I don't have, like, it's not like I have a big home. Right. Like, I can't just fill it with puzzles. Right, right, right. You know what I mean? So I still have the one that I completed, but it's still completed on the floor of my living room. Like, I haven't uncompleted it. Uh-huh. Um, I feel like I'm waiting for quarantine to be, like, officially over to, like, yes, break it, to break it apart. That's in. We're recording on 10th on Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day, Lizzie. Happy Mother's Day to all our mummies. Oh, thank you. (laughs) I'm not a mother, but you know what? (laughs) We have our baby podcast. Um, We do have our baby podcast. Happy Mother's Day to everybody. Uh, So May 10th is when we're recording. Apparently, the New York pause ends on the 15th. No, they extended it to June 7th. Okay, wait. There's So there's been like... Because then I saw news articles and tweets that were like, no, the pause still ends on the 15th, but the governor is extending his authority to June 6th to, like, issue a state of emergency. Oh, man. I was under the impression that they extended it to June 7th, but maybe not. That's what I originally heard. And then I saw a bunch of articles and there was a guy from, I forget which news outlet it was, but he was like, I'm so sorry. I have a bunch of calls to make because I got this completely wrong. Because Melissa DeRosa, who's the secretary for the governor, came out and was like, or the state secretary, whatever her title is, and was like, that's not what that means. What this means Uh, is X. Well, how exciting that it ends this week. Yes, although Which I don't think that means crazy. it feels crazy. It doesn't really mean anything for us. Oh no, I have no job until September. Best case. Best case. Best case Best scenario. Case. But I would love for things to open back up. It's just I would love to be able to walk or to go outside my neighborhood, outside a ten block radius. Yes. Agreed. Yeah. No. Agreed. I don't like it at all. But no. it, what's kind of ironic is with all of this going on what our episode topic is today (laughs) which is about transportation transportation guys we're talking we've decided to do a fun episode we're doing presidential travel like what their vehicles are how they how they get from point a to point b yes and if you're thinking we're going to talk about air force one and bill macy's amazing performance in that movie you're half right was he in that movie? He was. That was the first thing that I ever saw oh, Bill Macy in. Who played the president in that movie? Harrison Ford. You're right. Harrison that's absolutely Ford. correct. That's yep. who I was. That's who I think of when I think of the film Air Force One is Harrison Ford. He's the president. Um, William H. Macy plays like uh, like an advisor or something. Sure. And he's like... Like this, like his, you know, quintessential casting for Bill Macy, this like kind of every man kind of yeah, gently, gentle spoken, like kind of funny, a really sweet guy. Uh, and that's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a good movie and a good, a good you film. know, good Air Force One, I feel like representation because the plane is fucking sure. huge. The plane is enormous. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, as you know, I do not enjoy air travel. Yes, uh, it does not work out for you. I don't enjoy it. Um, from start to finish, I am stressed. But I will say, like, the only 
The only aircraft I would approach being like, I'm good, is Air Force One. Like, it has everything <laughs> Literally that everything. I'm looking for Yes, in an aircraft. Yes. Mid-air um, refueling, a lab. Like what? Yes, a uh, pharmacy. Like, what? <laughs> like, that's exactly, you know, and you know that those pilots definitely have been to war. Yes. Like, you're not getting, you're not getting Jim. No. From Delta. No. Who left flight training six months ago, and you're like, no. I don't know, are you Scully? Could you no. land a plane on a river? You're I getting Captain that. Lieutenant General Harmashasha. Yeah. Who, who, you know, definitely has killed people. Uh-huh. And that's what I need. <laughs> that's what I need. I need, I need somebody who has maneuvered. Yes. You know yes. what I'm saying? Like I a maneuvering you. type of of person. Yep. So with that said, let's jump into Air Force One. Great. Um, the only the only plane that I ever want to be on. Yep. This all of this stuff about Air Force One is coming from Encyclopedia Britannica and mm-hmm. the White House, yes. which we love. Which we love. Uh, thank you, White House. So The name Air Force One is actually the radio call signal that any aircraft adopts when the president is on board. Love that. So he could go on Delta Flight X234 and suddenly it's Air Force One. It's Air Force One. However, the Air Force One name commonly refers to the, quote, specific aircraft reserved for use by the president for travel within the United States or abroad, which is the plane that says Air Force One. It's huge. It's huge. It has all the the rooms. Yes. Since 1991, two such aircrafts have been in service. Identical Boeing 747-200B jumbo jets. That's what I'm talking about. What, what does that mean? Need. I don't know. It but there's a lot of numbers. It's numbers and it's fucking gigantic. And they bear the tail numbers 28,000 and 29,000. And the Air Force designation VC-25A. Yep. We all knew that. I mean, of course, you need that information in your that. life. Absolutely. But yeah. I do have to say, these two aircraft, are they, uh, since 1991, is it the same two aircraft since yes. 1991? Yes. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. You mean, no, you mean to tell me, you mean to tell me that that we're f- we're flying on planes from the 90s? Never mind. I think there's a note in I here about be on when the, they were- I want to be on the thing that can go to Mars. Like, oh, come on. I think one has been updated. Okay, great. Yeah. But still. But still, yeah. But, th- I mean, we're talking about, like, even, even if it was updated, like, what, five years ago? Yeah. That's a 10-year-old plane. I want a new plane Delta doesn't use, 10-year-old, doesn't use 10-year-old planes. 10-year-old Jeez. planes on Delta still have smoker trays in them. Oh, I know. That reminds <laughs> me. When I was flying, when I went to Panama, I went from Panama City to, like, a smaller town in Panama. Mm-hmm. And that flight was on, like, a regional jet. But it was from a regional jet from the literal 1980s. There were, like, it was that you saw the smoker trays. Like, everything oh. about it on the inside. I walked in and I was like, this is my purgatory. <laughs> And, and it was like, because it was a smaller jet, it was lower flying. And again, right. it, the flight was maybe 45 minutes because it wasn't, you know, we weren't going that far. But I, I Were you like was... clutching the armrests yes. the so whole time? My best You're like, it's going to fall apart me. in midair. 
Yeah, she held my hand the whole time because I was just, it was just, you could feel everything. And I was looking up at like, at like smoke, smoking signals and like the <laughs> ashtray next to me. And I was like, this is, I can't do, they gave me Doritos and I was like, I can't even eat my Doritos because I'm so stressed <laughs> out. I don't like planes. I don't like oh planes. I want, I want the top of the line. Right. Top of the line. I want, I want a jet with lasers. Why? Because that that's progress, baby. To warn off the intruders. Pew, 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 pew. I don't know. I don't know. It's just good to have. Oh, man. Okay. So yeah. that's okay. Okay. Back to, back to the notes. Here we go. Each of the current Air Force One aircrafts are equipped with classified security and defense systems, including measures to protect onboard electronics against the electromagnetic pulse of a nuclear explosion. They're so worried. They're like, it I could mean, be shut yeah. down. Sure, maybe. But like the nuclear explosions are what we need to plan for. Sure, sure. But I also, that's, again, that's what I need. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, again, am I, am I probably going to be involved with a nuclear explosion? I mean, like, I would hope not. You know, right. I'm not, I'm not a target, you could say, but right. I want the option of having protections again it, against it while I'm on board. Right. That's I mean, I, I think that's a very low level request. That's not high maintenance at it's all. It's low level. It's low yep. level. My my entire I'm all low level here. Yep. Oh my gosh. Okay. A, a telecommunication center is located in the upper level. We love that there's levels. There's three. Oh yeah. Yeah. I again, Air Force One is separate, but on any other like commercial flight, if I got on, I've never done. If I've got onto a flight that had two floors, I would get off that flight because <laughs> I can't. I can't protect both levels. Do you right. know what I mean? I get you. Like, I need, like, when I'm on a plane, I've got eyes, I've got eyes on the ground. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I've yeah, got, yeah. I know survey. where everybody is. Yeah. But I can't, What? I like, who's protecting the first floor? The first floor. If the I'm secret on the marshal that's stationed among them. I took a, I took a, one of the flights that I took back from France one time was one of those, like, two level, like, Delta Absolutely things. And I walked not. on and I was like. It's a flying, like it. it's a flying Titanic and we're going to die. I don't like it. <laughs> and it was so, it was so freaky to like get on the plane and be like, there's the stairs up to the other level. And I was nope. like, holy fucking shit. Okay, we're going to Planes shouldn't that. have stairs. No. Planes should not have stairs. No. Absolutely not. Okay. Back to Air Force One. Inside Air Force One, the president and his travel companions enjoy 4,000 square feet of floor space on three levels, including an extensive suite for the president that features a large office, lavatory, and conference room. Air Force One includes a medical suite that can function as an operating room, and the doctor is permanently on board. The plane's two food preparation galleys can feed 100 people at a time. I need this plane. Yes. I would just be like, I wouldn't even, like, if I had this plane, I wouldn't pay for an apartment anywhere. I would just be constantly It's It's going, bigger than my apartment. It's, <laughs> yes. It's bigger By than, a like, lot. I would just, like, get my friends and put them on the plane, and we would just travel the world. We Are you kidding travel. me? We'll pull we money together. It's great. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the Air Force One can accommodate 70 people plus a crew of 26, so pretty much almost 100 people. The two jets have a range of almost 8,000 miles, unrefueled, 
but with in-flight refueling, they are capable of circling the globe. Yeah. They are based at Andrews Air Force Base in Maryland near Washington, D.C., and are assigned to the 89th Airlift Wing of the Air Force Air Mobility Command. Yeah. I feel like, should you, like, tell people where the planes are? <laughs> there's a lot. There's a lot on this that I'm like... Is it good that we know this? Like, I wouldn't tell people where the planes are. I feel these like are these are big planes. They're big planes. They're big planes. I mean, they're not hard to find, I'm sure, but still, it's like maybe don't put it on the website, right? <laughs> <laughs> if the president is in town, this is where Air Force right. One is. Look it up on the map. Jeez. Air Force One uh, has served presidents, vice presidents, uh, at which time they are known as Air Force Two. Such a such a dig. Not as, it's not as, it's not as ringy as Air Force One. No. Air Force like that's One. That's catchy. It, it like trips off the tongue. Air, Air Force, Force One. Two? Air Force Six. <laughs> <laughs> Just a totem pole of Air Forces. Air Force 23. That's oh, the man. secretary of the environment when we get one. So Air Force One, they've served presidents, vice presidents, and other dignitaries under the administrations of George H.W. Papa Bush, mm-hmm. Bill Clinton, George W. Baby Bush, and Barack Obama, and obviously now uh, Donald Trump. Yep. The pair of jets are slated for replacement by three new aircrafts between 2017 and 2021. So some of them have been so replaced. So it's literally like a 10-year. Yeah. It's going to be a 10-year replacement thing. Well, honestly, good. Yeah. yeah. Good. Yeah. I don't... Mm. I mean, that you got to keep that operating room, you know, up to snuff, up to medical right. standard. <laughs> right. And part of me was like, do you... I read that and I was like, I wonder if they put the operating room in when JFK... I mean, there was no way you were going to save JFK, but like, I wonder if they put that in because at the... T- like, if they had could have gotten Maybe. into a doctor, he might have... Maybe. He wouldn't have yeah. lived. I mean... Yeah, I mean, rest his, in peace. His the, brain was the like on the back out. of the car, but like, yeah, they like maybe that was the thought there. Well, it was surely a wake up call of like, okay, yeah. like if there is a you know even even Reagan, like I mean, yeah, yeah. granted he wasn't shot on like you know out of town, but like the this idea that like oh we need to have like something in case I mean like even if like they have like a heart issue, right? It's like. All, any sort of like medical issues, and we're in in the air. Yes, and we're like put it on. We're exclusively electing, except for like, you know, Barack Obama, like octogenarians, and so sure, <laughs> sure. Especially now, like we're looking at Trump and Biden, and like for sure they should have a medical doctor on board. Absolutely, absolutely, <laughs> for sure should have a medical professional nearby, nearby, permanently, all time. So back to Air Force One. Uh, It also has quarters for those who accompany the president, including senior advisors, secret service officers, traveling press, and other guests. Several cargo planes typically fly ahead of Air Force One to provide the president with services needed in remote locations. It's always like he sends his baggage. He sends his luggage first. Yes. His luggage. cargo plane. His luggage and the M&Ms that he needs are ahead of him. Yeah. Air Force One is maintained and operated by the Presidential Airlift Group, part of the White House Military Office. Yes. Both of which, I didn't know either of those things existed until I no, did this research. And I was like, look at that. We got more also, offices. I don't, like, I don't like Presidential Airlift Group. It's a weird... Group isn't the best name. No. Presidential Airlift 
coalition. Coalition? Even office would be better there. Office. The group is like, are you a club? Yes. It also sounds like slightly corporate-y. It's like like the Bachman group, you know, like that's for sure a law for a law firm or like a hedge fund. Group just seems like not the right terminology. I agree with you. It's not what we need. So let's talk about Marine One. Let's talk about Marine One because honestly, other than Air Force One, I know nothing else about what the what they travel in. What they travel in. So there's yeah. like so Air Force One is the plane, obviously. Marine yeah, One obviously. is obviously Marine One is the helicopter that the president travels in. Let me say one thing right now. You couldn't pay me to get on a helicopter. <laughs> you could not pay that is my worst nightmare. I is a gosh darn helicopter. Helicopter. I, I think of all of the worst aspects of air travel, of like plane travel, and it's that's only what a hel- helicopter is. Also, like, the name Marine One makes me think it's nautical. Yes. Yes. Like, it's not, it's not, it's not the most telling name for a helicopter. No, no, no. Air Force is, is very descriptive. It's in the air. air force. And it's a force to be reckoned with. You try Absolutely. to take that bitch down. She's not coming Absolutely. Up. Marine she, One no. is like, are we, is this Which, a, a pug, What's our a, element here? A tugboat? What are we doing? I thought it was a submarine. Oh, I wish the president had a submarine. That'd be great. I bet you they do. There's there's a secret sub out there. There's got to be. There's got to be. There's me. secret everything. We still don't yeah. know who killed Kennedy. <laughs> yeah, this is a conspiracy podcast now. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, my God. There was a grassy knoll. Okay. So Marine One is the call sign adopted by any Marine aircraft while the president is on board. Sound familiar? However, common usage, it has come to mean any of the -the state-of-the-art helicopters reserved for the president. The nice thing about Marine One is, like, you tend to see it, like, it can land right by the White House. So, like, like... Oh, yeah, on, like, the lawn. On the lawn. So, like, I love the pictures of, like, Obama and he'd be, like, he'd leave the White House and he'd just be like, yeah, yo, what's up? Oh, hey, Bo. And then he'd, like, go to the Marine, like, he'd just go to work. Yeah. Taking the helicopter. Although the U.S. military had adopted helicopters in the 1940s for, like, their general use, safety concerns led... Mm. What? Mm-hmm. Safety concerns. <laughs> I was like, what, did I say Oregon? <laughs> no, no. You said you said my two words, safety concerns. Yes, they were like, mm. Safety concerns led the Secret Service to prohibit the president from flying in them, and Lizzie is correct about all things. I mean, granted, it was the 1940s, and like you could—they were like, I, I, "What is air travel? We don't." Uh. It's literally, it's 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 two it's two planks of wood and, t- and a dream that's getting that helicopter. That's a helicopter in the 1940s. Yes. So sure, but even now, I'm just like, if it's no, no, I want a I want a hundred years yes. of solid helicopter flying <laughs> in like in order to declare this a safe mode of travel. Right, because absolutely this, not. Nineteen forties. I mean, granted, now like we're at war, we're like sending people overseas. Although we were still sending people overseas by like ship, oh, right? Sure. And then like, yeah. but this is not that far removed. Like, when was the Ford T? Like, when was the T Bird? That was like right. It's it only like years twenty later, years remo- yeah. removed from that. Like, it's not yeah. that far. People yeah. like there are people flying on planes who remember when the like when horsepower was like horsepower. As in right. nay, nay, horsepower. Oh, my God. <laughs> Listen, if I don't Absolutely. make an animal sound on every show, it doesn't count. It doesn't, we it didn't doesn't record. count. It doesn't, 
exactly right. So, yeah, so they they were like, okay, helicopters for the military, but not for the president. They're too dangerous. Our men and boys, our men and boys from home, that's okay. However, that policy changed the following decade as the escalating Cold War increased the poten- the potential for an emergency evacuation in the event of a nuclear attack. So they were like, it could happen sure. anytime. Really, the Soviet Union, the USSR is up to no good. We got to be able to split skis. Yeah. Yeah. I will say, I'll, I'll addend what I say and say that, yeah, if you're like, Lizzie, it's, there's a nuclear attack coming, get in the helicopter. Sure, I'll get in the helicopter. Mm-hmm. But that's about it. <laughs> Otherwise, no helicopters for you. It is a dream of mine to take a helicopter ride. Oh, I really would like I to don't take share one. that dream. I don't. <laughs> That's I, all I, you. I, on Marine One, maybe, but that not, sure. even then, I'd be like, let me talk to the let me talk to the pilot. Who's the pilot? Bring him on over here or her. Yeah, bring them down. If I was being like airlifted to a hospital, I I guarantee you, I would gain consciousness and go, "Who is the pilot?" <laughs> <laughs> Leg severed, arm is gone, and you're like, "Hold up, question. Hold on, <laughs> time out." Take me down. Oh. Officials ultimately settled on uh, the Bell H-13J. She's a great helicopter. Absolutely, yes. We all know it. Yeah, which was relatively slow and small, accommodating just one pilot and two passengers, but was noted for its safety record. So they were like, okay, the president can fly. He can only take one other person with him, but they'll be safe. But there's only one pilot. Yeah. What happens if the one pilot, something happens to him? He falls out you of the thing. You need a spare air, people. <laughs> you need a spare, t- spare pilot. You I, need you're a shit spare out of luck. pilot. President dies. Absolutely not. Yeah. No. <laughs> this is why I have to learn to fly the plane. I'm not doing this. You simply must. I love that your solution is I, I don't trust other people to fly the plane. I'll fly the plane. I'll fly the plane. Because, you know, the only person who I can trust is me. Is you. Is you. That's insane. That's insane. Yeah. In a test run known as Operation Alert. Bad name. Bad name. I feel like we could have done something else with that. Operation. Good. I don't know. Danger. Da- <laughs> Operation <laughs> Two Feet on the Fucking Ground. Right. <laughs> Dwight D. Eisenhower became the first president to fly in a helicopter on July 12, 1957 when he was transported from the White House to Camp David. The Bell, as she was called, was flown by U.S. Air Force, was, was flown by a U.S. Air Force pilot. Also on board was a Secret Service agent. Yeah. I also, mean, yeah, better be an Air Force pilot. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And also, it's like, because it could only fit two people, like, usually the president takes, like, his entire, not I mean his entire staff, but, like, he's got a staff of people who are, like, running his schedule and giving him information. Right. And this was back in the day when Dwight D. Eisenhower was, like, running the show by himself. I mean, it's just, like. Well, sure. But, like, Dwight had, like, I mean, you don't talk about a guy who'd, like, been to war. Yeah. Like, he's, he's like, not. nothing phases me. What do you got? What do you got? What, Hit you me. want I've to put me in the now. air for 20 minutes? Come on. Come like on. I'll survive I, the I, fall. Yeah, I, I, I literally, you know, solved a, a national war. Like, what yeah. do you want? What do you want from me? <laughs> I got this. Like, I get Dwight. Like, I get that for sure. For I'm sure. not Dwight. No, 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 no. You are Which Lizzie. Is a big revelation. You are, um, you are not one Elizabeth Dwight. Stewart. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't have Dwight's uh, spirit. <laughs> no, his inner core. 
No. That belongs to Dwight. While the first presidential helicopters offered few amenities, later versions became increasingly sophisticated. The current models can fly more than 150 miles per hour and feature ballistic armor and anti-missile countermeasures. So they're like, sure. trying to shoot us down. We got it. Boop, boop. Boop, 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 boop. In addition, the green and white helicopters have electromagnetic pulse protection in the event of a nuclear explosion. They're so worried about nuclear explosions. They're very, I mean, very yeah, worried. You yeah, you kind of have to be. Yeah. As a further protective measure, a decoy helicopter flies alongside Marine One. So if you're trying to shoot one of them down, you don't know which. Right. But then I'm just like, shoot them shoot both. Shoot both? <laughs> Like, just do both. <laughs> Again, to the to the Secret Service agents who are listening to this, obviously I'm not a threat to this We're country, not. but I'm just saying, it's like, if you, have like the, if you have the capability to do one... Right, do both. Do you not... Do you just bring one missile? <laughs> oh, I don't know. We've only got enough money for one missile, so we gotta shoot our <laughs> shot. <laughs> we gotta take down one one helicopter. I'm like, just shoot them both. Especially, again, you're putting this on the website. They know there's a decoy. Right. People! Come on! Yeah, this is definitely from, I forget which, if this is um, Encyclopedia Britannica or whatever, but, like, if, I'm sure that if the Secret Service was like, hey, can we not put this stuff on the internet about the decoy helicopter? They'd be like, right, we got you. Absolutely, for sure, for sure. The current helicopters have a relatively spacious interior, which can accommodate at least 14 passengers, and includes a bathroom. No. Helicopters shouldn't have bathrooms. It's really, it's worse than the Megabus, I gotta say. It's worse. <laughs> That's definitely what I'm thinking of. Can you imagine being like, man, that chili I ate last night, I really gotta, and then like having to poo next to the That's president? That's a small aircraft. <laughs> that That's a, a small, small space. Aircraft, that smell is gonna linger. Right. So when the helicopter lands, a Marine is waiting outside to greet the president regardless of the lo- of the location so he steps out of marine 1 that's why you like you always see them especially at the white yeah. house ones there's always a yeah. guy there who's like saluting yep the vice president travels in marine 2 again like not the funnest name not the funnest name so that's going out with our theme that's planes helicopters and now we're going to do automobiles yes yes okay super short so this is Cadillac One. Great. Mm-hmm. Shout out to our sponsors, not Cadillac. <laughs> not Cadillac. The president isn't allowed to drive ever, sure. except on a private closed track that the Secret Service has deemed safe and secure. It's like a 15-year-old learning how to drive. <laughs> yes. He's like, I just go around this and like then we're just taking another turn. Taking another turn. I'm gonna go for a little drive. Uh, yeah, he's not allowed to drive, which I just think is a fun, like, for, like, the most powerful pers- person in the world, he's, like, not allowed to drive. <laughs> sure. I mean, but can you imagine, like, like, do you remember when Prince Philip, like, got in a car accident because he crashed into somebody? Oh, yeah. You know, yeah, like, yeah. 98 years old, and they yeah. were like, Phil, you gotta, no, you gotta stop. It's just, like, not a good look. No, it's not a good to look. To be like, oh, yeah, I rear-ended. Can you imagine if it was like, oh, yeah, the president rear-ended me? You know, I gotta wait for the his insurance. Like, right. <laughs> like it just sure. There's so many. I mean, other than like a potential life threatening crash, right? There's so many other like un- unpleasant situations that could arise from the president driving. So many, so many. 
the least like, of what which is. Like, what if they're a bad driver, you know? Like, <laughs> I'm bad at parking. Like, imagine you you come out and you see the bad parking job that the president did. It's like, or this what is if the leader like, of our country. The leader of our country. And what if they, like, only drive in the left lane and they don't use it to pass? Like, I... Beep, 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 motherfucker. Beep, Move beep, that beep. shit over. Let's go. Let's You're in go. the wrong lane, Prez. Yeah. The U.S. presidential state car is sometimes referred to as the Beast. Cute. Okay. C- Cadillac One. Absolutely. Or first car. First car. First car. First car, last car. First car, last <laughs> First car, best car. First car, best car. It is a bulletproofed car. We've learned. I would hope so. I would hope so. We've learned not to, like, let the president just, like, hang out of a convertible. So the car is a bulletproof car equipped with many offensive and defensive and life-saving features. Yes. Again, I think we learned this the hard way. Yes. FDR was the very first president to have a bulletproof vehicle, which is, like, that's, I didn't know we knew how to do that. I, I mean, yes, it's, see, I'm, I'm quite impressed with us yes. in the 1940s. Yes, we, we couldn't feed our population, but we could bulletproof a car. We should. We, we absolutely could. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Yeah. And so, like, since he was the first one and they've, I, I think, like, just had bulletproof cars like, since then. The president also uses Ground Force One, which is a oh collection. Ground Force. Ground Force One. Is a collection of black armored buses and fortified yachts and aircraft for transportation. Okay. So he's got like a whole fleet. A fleet. A fleet. He's got a whole fleet. Uh, planes, trains, and bulletproof automobiles. Yeah. I mean, it really does like, for somebody who, like if you're somebody who like has, is like living paycheck to paycheck and you can't buy food or like you have kids and you're really struggling yeah. and da da da. To hear like the, the president has a ground force that includes yachts, you're like, sure. All right. Okay. Let's tell, let's, uh, this sounds a little bit like we need a French type of revolution, but without the murder, you know, like it's without just the murder, without yes. the murder. It's just like, I understand why they have all these things and why protecting the president is of like absolute importance. But you really do get a sense of like, all right, my uh, Oldsmobile from 1989 is mm. about to die. And so, I don't have the money to replace it. Meanwhile, this fool has Ground Force One. Are you yacht. kidding me? I think the yacht is really is really what's a little tacky. I don't think we need. No. Could we just call it a boat? I don't think. Could we? Could we... Just... I mean, but it's a yacht. Yeah. Like, let's not let's not pull a wool over the eyes of the American people. They know the difference between a boat and a yacht. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying. From 1939 to 1972, the official presidential car was a Lincoln. I think that's appropriate. It's a little appropriate. homage. Yes. To babe. To babe. And then it became, the official car became a Cadillac Fleetwood. Whoa. Braham? Brom? Brom? Brom. Cadillac Fleetwood Brom. If you know the correct pronunciation of that word, it's B-R-O-U-G-H-A-M. Hit us up. Broham. Broham. That was used by one Ronald Reagan. Had to be different. And then it was now, and then that has since been followed by a line of Cadillacs that continue to be used to this day. So caddies all around. just Cadillacs. Sure. We're run by old white men. Well, except for Obama. We're run by, you know, and what was he going to do? Change up the car? In the I middle mean, of a recession, that would have been anarchy. They, sure. like, wanted to, you know, they were angry when he wore a tan suit. What was he going to do, I drive know. a Ford? Right. 
I know. And also, it's like, if I'm coming in as president, which obviously I am. Of course. And they tell me, this is, this is the motorcade. Right. This is the safe car. I'm not going to look and be like, ooh, I wish it was a Kia. Like, what am I going to tell the Secret Service? Like, <laughs> oh, redo it? it? <laughs> yeah. Like, well, I'm just going to be like, cool, this is the car. Like, right. What? I just go here. Maybe in my and- second term if I'm feeling, like, real comfortable. But otherwise, I'm just like, all right, if you guys have decided this is the safest car, great. Who am I to Let's quibble? do it. Yep. Wonderful. Right. I'm not going to change the car. Oh, boy. Speaking of the Secret Service, we're going to talk about protection and planning for when Le Presidente travels. Uh, This section is coming from Business Insider, whom we love. Yeah. So, quite obviously, the Secret Service agents take the lead on travel logistics, often arriving months beforehand to clear the airspace, map out a motorcade route, identify hospitals, and other secure locations in case of an attack. What a very stressful job. I would love to just, like, interview somebody. Yeah. Yeah. Any ex-Secret Service agents out there, let us know. Like, I I can't imagine being a Secret Service agent. So a select number of reporters and photographers known as the, quote, protective press pool travel close to but separate from the official posse of security and top aides to capture the statements and stops made by the official during the trip. So this is like when you have, like, the press on the plane. Yeah. You know. Which is so fun. Yep. To ensure a stress-free flight, tell me, national (laughs) agencies announce temporary flight restriction days before the scheduled trip to restrict movement in a given area when the president, vice president, or other security officials travels. I would, like, why don't they do that with me? (laughs) Because I'm not important. Lizzie's on the ground. Repeat, Lizzie's on the ground. (laughs) The fox is in the hole. The fox is in the hole. (laughs) Oh, man. Okay. During presidential travel, the restrictions inner ring is approximately 10 miles in which other aircrafts cannot fly below 18,000 feet or land at, at any airports. Aircrafts can fly through but not loiter in the outer rings which span approximately 30 miles. So you can't just take a little Barney ride around when the president's in the, in the air. You no. got to go straight to the airport. In mm-hmm. which case I'm like, who's taking a Barney ride in the air? <laughs> who's loitering? Who's loitering <laughs> 10 miles from the aircraft? Are you kidding? I don't know. That's very close. Um, it's a big aircraft. I know. The aircraft itself is roughly 10 miles. I feel like one wrong turn and it's like, oops, sorry, clipped your wing. Didn't mean to do it. Like, ooh, it's... Ooh, my bad, my bad. <laughs> my bad, so sorry. <laughs> oh, man. Obviously, the vice president is not nearly as important as the president. So for a traveling vice president or similar lower official, rich restrictions spark a temporary no-fly zone for when the subject is arriving or departing at the airport. And yeah. so this, like, mile radius thing is less. Yeah. Once the president lands, either privately or to members of the public, they are led to a motorcade that usually includes around 20 vehicles, which freely cruise down closed highways to save time and address safety concerns. Yeah, I remember when Obama used to come to New York. Yeah. And it would be like, he goes for blocks. It's like, what's happening? And then it's like the motorcade and you're like, oh, there's so oh, many cars. There's so many cars. I remember when the one of the Democratic conventions was in New York and I was like, mm. who thought this was a good idea? 
Gonna you know shut down the city? There's no... Everybody walks. <laughs> yeah. No, it was like... like no cars. There's no cars. Local law enforcement provides another layer for the motorcade on the way to the official's first de- destination and any location after that. Official visits are announced ahead of time, and while protesters are a concern for the Secret Service, they investigate any credible threats ahead of time. Sure. Yep. I would hope so. Yep. Hotels get anywhere from a week's, a few weeks to months advance notice of an administration travel. The member of, an, of the administration who is traveling specifies the amenities that they prefer based on the team that they are traveling with. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, sure. At least you get some say in your amenities. Like, must have Listen, a what do you north-facing want? balcony. Like, Right. Sure. A bowl of jelly beans and some fried chicken wings. Like, bring them yeah. to me. Bring them to me. There you go. A former security agent told a newspaper in Oregon that in addition to the entire floor on which the official stays, the floors above and below will be cleared out, meaning three whole floors are rented for the duration of the visit, ramping up costs. I mean, we're, yeah. We're, but also, like, how much money are we just, like, throwing at the hotel chains? Like, that's Millions. why people get so mad at Trump Hotel, because it's like, it's not just the room for him and Melania. No, no. It's, it's the, the three floors. It's the three floors. And of like, that's just free money. Yep. Once on the ground and among people, the Secret Service and Presidential Protective Division agents keep a perimeter around the president at all times, sometimes with local police providing an extra layer during public appearances. Yeah, I mean, there's like yeah. 40 of them always. Yeah. yeah. Though Air Force One is the president's most iconic mode of travel, there is a backup plane just like it that comes on trips to ensure the president or first lady has a sure exit strategy. We're just flying planes around. Just all around. All around. There's just planes in the air. Our planes on the ground. So many planes. It's so many planes and the motorcades and the... Uh, it's so... It's so many. Yeah. It's so much money. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think... It's so much money and just, like, the it's such a profound amount of planning that goes yeah. into, like, the most minor of movements. Right. You know, and if I, they're not staying at the White House or at Camp David, it's, like, uh, it's a whole production. Yeah. Okay. Let's do old-timey travel. Let's do it. Let's go Let's back in time. So this is a little bit about, it's mostly about, like, in reference to, like, the equivalent to the Air Force One, but there are, there is some other stuff in here about how presidents used to get around. So the airlift group that we talked about before that sounds like a law firm operates and maintains the Air Force One planes and was founded in 1944 as the Presidential Pilot Office. Sounds much sure. better. It's a little better. The office better. is better than group. Yep. At the direction of President Roosevelt. Love. For the next 15 years after that, various propeller-driven aircraft served the president. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Very. I mean, if you look at the pictures of them, too, you're like, wow, okay. I mean, it looks, Air Force One looks just like a big commercial aircraft that's been, like, military fortified. So they, so for the next 15 years after the creation of this department, Various propeller aircraft served the president until Dwight D. Eisenhower flew to Europe aboard a VC-137A. I like that mm-hmm. model, which was a Boeing 707 Stratoliner in August sure. of 1959. Yes, Dwight. Yeah. So Dwight was really testing out. He was he was the guinea pig. 
Sure. Well, he, he was, was also the guy who was like, I did work. Mm-hmm. Like, I've been in these, I've been in the propeller aircraft planes. Like, I'm not, right. what else do we have? I ain't afraid. Put me in the thing. The first American president to fly while in office was Franklin Delano Roosevelt, who yes. in January 1943 flew aboard a commercial Boeing 314 Clipper flying boat to, Casa- to the Casablanca Conference in Morocco during World War II. What a lovely place to have a conference. I know. Casablanca. Here's looking at you, kid. Yes. Late into the war, the U.S. Army Air Forces took possession of a Douglas C-54 Skymaster that had been specifically built for presidential use. This four-engine transport plane, based on the DC-4 Civil Airliner, had a range of 4,000 miles and, unlike the Clipper, could land at any sizable airfield in the world. Right. They're like, let's yeah. let's just make let's fly smarter. Officially designated VC fifty four A, but known among irreverent journalists as the Sacred Cow, it featured mm-hmm. a conference room, a stateroom with a lavatory, and a bulletproof picture window. Get it? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I love this the idea of like a president looking at the picture window and like just like somebody trying to shoot it down and him being like, mm. come at me. <laughs> like just me. come at me. It also had an elevator for the right raising and lowering of the wheelchair bound president. We're talking about FDR between right. the plane and the ground. It transported Roosevelt only once to the Yalta Conference in Soviet Crimea in February 1945, but remained in service until 1947. And then during the tr- the first Harry Truman administration, before being reassigned to other duties, it was ultimately retired in 1961. So it like. So it lasted. It lasted like a couple years. Yeah. You would say less than 10 years. Less than 10 years. Less than 10 years. And they were like, she's got to go. So that was like the first like real, like what you could call like the first real Air Force One was like a plane that was like built and outfitted specifically for presidential travel. And then FDR used it once. Like they even put it in an elevator for him. And he was like. Yeah. Truman's dedicated airplane was a modified Douglas C-118 Liftmaster. Sure. It was named the Independence by Truman after his hometown in Missouri. Independence, Missouri. I've been there many times. (laughs) That's what he named it for. The Independence had more powerful engines than previous aircraft and a greater range than the Sacred Cow. What a name. It also it's better feature- than Sacred Cow. It's better sure. than Sacred Cow. Sacred Cow is like definitely the journalists were like, this thing is gigantic. Yeah. The Independence also featured new technology of pressurized cabins. And I was like, what was it like before that? Were you just like, I'm so I'm drifting I in and out of consciousness? <laughs> <laughs> like just nauseous. Yeah. Like, no wonder was FDR like, was like, we're good. <laughs> no, I'll do I'll go by boat. I'll go by boat. <laughs> The Independence remained the primary presidential plane until Eisenhower assumed office on, in 1953. After serving various other transport duties, it was retired in 1965 and is now on display at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. Great. Yeah. Eisenhower's first personal transport starting in 1953 was a customized C-121. I really hope that like somebody listening is like into all of these numbers are really... Really paramount. It was christened the Columbine 2, which now we have a different association with that name. But it was adopted at the time because the state flower of Colorado is Columbine. Yeah. 
and also because it was the home state of Mamie Eisenhower. Mamie! Mamie! According to popular lore, the call sign Air Force One was first invoked by the pilot of the Columbine 2 during a flight to Florida when he was concerned that Air Force traffic controllers might confuse the presidential plane's call sign Air Force 610 with a similar call sign of a nearby commercial airliner. So he was like, Yeah, Air Force 610? Number one. Air Force One. One. Air Force, the, 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 the big one. Numero uno, the big kahuna, Air Force yeah. One. Air Force, I'm landing now. Cancel everything. Air Force, Tampa can wait. The plane from Tampa can yeah. wait. We're going, we're going to land. We're going to land. In, ni- in August 1959, Eisenhower first flew aboard a different aircraft that was nicknamed Queenie and it had been a part of the administration's air fleet. Queenie contained a special telecommunications section, forward and aft passenger compartments for a total of 40 passengers that can be accommodated, a conference area, a stateroom, etc. So, like, they're growing in size. It's, yeah, it's, they're getting more... They're getting more frou-frou. sophisticated. Yes. Yeah. In 1962, President John F. Kennedy became the first president to fly in a jet specifically built for presidential use. It was a modified Boeing 707. Yes, JFK. Yeah. And this was when we saw, like, the Air Force One as we know it. Yeah. So industrial designer Raymond Lowy contributed a distinctive blue and white color scheme to the exterior and a logo that featured the title United States of America on the fuselage, the U.S. flag on the tail, and the presidential seal on both sides of the nose. This design had been carried over to, has been carried over to all subsequent Air Force One planes. In June 1963, the new jet carried Kennedy to a divided Berlin in Berlin, Germany where he issued his famous declaration, Ich bin ein Berliner speech. In November 1963, it transported the assassinated president back to Washington from Dallas. Yeah. Boof. Lyndon Johnson was also sworn in as president on board that same plane, and that plane continued to serve as the primary or backup Air Force One during the administrations of Johnson, Nixon, Ford, Carter, Reagan, and Papa Bush. Which, like, Jeez. I know. Could you imagine being like sitting on that plane as a president and being like, this is like an assassinated president, like a dead president mm, has been on this. Yeah. Plane. Like that would just. Yeah. You think they would have retired it. Yeah. Just out of like. For emotional if? sake. Yeah. <laughs> Not like if, but just like it's a bummer. Like. Yeah. 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 You yeah. know, it's just like, yes. Let's get the backup in and make that the primary plane. Yeah. So then in 1972, the plane was joined by a sister aircraft, given the tail number 2700, and this was the plane that flew Nixon back to private life in California upon his sudden resignation in August 1974. Fun! Great. Both planes went through several refittings before being replaced for duty as Air Force One in 1990-1991 by the current pair of 747s. Love and the timeline of the Air Force Ones. I mean, it's it's quite the uh, metamorphosis. It's quite the me- yeah from and a propeller plane to three stories. You know what I mean? Yeah, and also like just really like a fun lens to look at technology, th- like through which you can look at technology and like how we were changing in travel, because mm-hmm. like the president also had like was his travel structure was being changed and and we went from being like you know fdr or he like he was like i don't know about that (laughs) until now we're like okay we could feed 100 people in the you know right and we have a hospital on board (laughs) area and we have a hospital yeah Yeah. 
Yeah. I love it. All right. Let's close this out with one but mighty fun fact mm-hmm. that I'm I'm just thrilled about. This is just um, for you. It's just for me. It's uh, It's only for me, and that's fine. So the fun fact is, Lyndon B. Johnson may be the only U.S. president who can be considered a true automotive enthusiast. He enjoyed driving visitors around his Stonewall, Texas ranch in his prized Lincoln Continental convertible. The ranch, now the Lyndon B. Johnson National Historical Park, displays many of his personal cars, including his famous blue Amphicar. Amphicar? Amphicar, I think, yeah. Amphicar. The only civilian amphibious passenger automobile ever to be mass produced. <laughs> it's like, it's chitty chitty bang bang. It's totally chitty chitty bang bang. I love you. Like, I, oh it, my God. It's, it's just, oh, you chitty chitty bang bang. Come I also on. didn't, the fact, I mean, there are great pictures of this online because it, it's just the picture of it and the Encyclopedia Britannica is like the convertible in the water with its tires like flat for, and like, straight out of hollywood like i thought they made mm-hmm. that shit up but no no it's like it was real and johnson's driving and there's like other there's like his passengers <laughs> like in the car and you're just like what is happening <laughs> i so can't think of anything crazy. more stressful than to be driving no. on land and then driving at sea I, like i don't i don't, I don't want that no i'm like how deep is this water can i get out am i gonna be trapped it's a convertible so i guess i could just right. jump seatbelts are you know optional but like it was no the picture is stellar you have to find the picture and um i also didn't realize that they were mass produced oh like are these out there do other people have one like does uncle you bob have, a, have one what is if you this? have an amphicar an amphibious passenger passenger automobile please let us know please let us know because we need to immediately i I will I will ride in one of those cars. I will be stressed the entire time. Yeah. But unlike a helicopter, you can definitely get me in. Yeah. Because <laughs> you can swim. Because I can swim and I prefer to be low to the ground. Yes. Yes. Agreed. So, wow. That's our episode, guys. That's, that's planes, trains, and automobiles. Yeah. Or shall I say, amphibious passenger automobiles <laughs> of the President of the United States. Hell yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. it's fun. It's fun. it's fun. It's interesting to see how they get from point A to point B since it is such a production. It's very much a production. And I love that. Yep. But guys, you know what I'm going to say. We what love you. you. Yeah. We love you so, so, much. so much. And if you like what you heard, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Let's Get Civical. You can rate us. You can review us. You can subscribe to us. We love you so, so much. And we will see you next Wednesday. Goodbye.